Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. If you are a return listener, we would love your rating, review, like, or subscribe. And whether you've tuned in today to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode works with high-level organizations, teams, athletes, and coaches to help maximize their potential in the area of leadership, culture, and teamwork. Based out of Ohio, he has served for 20 years as a college basketball coach and high school athletic director. He's created the leadershipplaybook.com, which is a membership site helping athletic departments develop better teammates, more positive leaders, and stronger cultures. He is host of the Success is a Choice podcast. Check it out. And author of three books. Welcome to the Elevate podcast, Jamie Beckler. Hey, Tyler, doing great. Uh, appreciate you having me. Psyched to be here. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, excited to connect. Um, talk to us first about moving from your background as a basketball coach to a leadership trainer and speaker and kind of part of that evolution. Well, I, I get a lot more sleep at night. Uh, I don't have to worry about those losses. Those losses don't hit me as hard as they used to, yeah. uh, you know, when you're consulting. But uh, yeah, I, I spent about 20 years as a college basketball coach, both men and women at all the different levels, Division One, Two, Three, and NAIA. And uh, then I went to be an athletic director for a couple of years at uh, the largest uh, or the fifth largest or a school that had the fifth largest gymnasium in the world, seated over 7,000 people at that high school gymnasium. So that was fun. And uh, then for the uh, going on five years now, I've been in business for myself. Uh, I've uh, an entrepreneur. I started my own consulting business, leadership business, uh, really to help sports teams and athletic departments. And that's that's pretty much who I work with. I, I do dabble in corporations and businesses, but mainly uh, my focus is on uh, my wheelhouse is sports teams, helping them have better cultures, helping them be better leaders, helping them be better teammates. Love it. What? Coming from the basketball world, what's one of the greatest lessons that your time in coaching taught you about leadership that you share with others today? Yeah, it's definitely, and this would sound a little cliche, but it's definitely people. It's about the people. Um, and we, we can't get anything done. We can't move forward without people. And in the same way, uh, other people can't move forward without other people as well. And so uh, you're not going to inspire people just because you're the smartest person in the room. And, and I think of, I'm dating myself, but the old movie Ferris Bueller with Matthew Broderick. But yeah, but, but you've got the science teacher or the math teacher. I, I can't even remember who he was, what, what teacher he was. But uh, Ben, uh, ben uh, Stein is the teacher <laughs> and he's like the smartest dude, you know. And in real life, he's also a very smart dude. But you know, it's like Bueller, 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 anyone. And, and he's boring them to death, even though he's so smart, but people aren't inspired and they're not engaged just because you're smarter than everybody else or you're the, you have all this knowledge and wisdom to impact or to impart upon people. You're not going to impact people just because you have something to impart upon them. Uh, you only impact people when you inspire them and, you, and you're engaging with them. And so, uh, you know, I wish that I was good all the time with that. I wish I was perfect as a coach. I wish I was perfect as an AD. I, I, there were times when, 
yeah, I was more focused on the X's and O's or strategy or tactics than I was people. But by and large, that's the one major takeaway is that it's about the people. It's about, you know, do you, do, do they still follow you on Facebook? Do you still have conversations with people? You know, do you get invited to weddings? Do you, you know, did you have a part in their life? Do they, do they think of you, you know, do they think of you as coach Beckler or coach Johnson or, or whoever it is coach, whatever, you know, and they think of you as somebody that had a, a positive part in their life, not just as a, a coach, but man, those, those one, two, three, four or five years with you really impacted the rest of my life to a degree. Or I remember some of the things that, that you shared with me or taught me. And, and, and I think that that's so important. And like I said, I, I wish that I was perfect in that. There's still players that probably never would, you know, if they heard my name, it's like a curse word. <laughs> but then there's other players that that's the opposite. You know, there's, yeah. there's been players and, and one I can think of in particular that we, we essentially kicked off the team. She was a starter and we kicked her off the team and, and we still keep in touch. Yeah. You know, it, it's something that, uh, you know, we both grew from. And so those are the kinds of things that mean a lot to me. No doubt. Is there a lesson from a fellow basketball coach that you've brought along with you? something that sticks out from uh, another coach. There's like, man, maybe, you know, you talked a little bit about some players before and some players, you know, thinking about you differently. Was there a pivotal moment uh, involved in that? Yeah. You know, I always tried to learn from all the coaches I was around and uh, uh, one of them, you know, and even opposing coaches, you know, when we'd be out recruiting or hanging out at the gym or, you know, going out to eat afterwards or something like that, you know, we talk and you just, you just try to hang on, hang on every word as much as possible, especially the ones that have been successful that have done it or been where you want to be. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I think of right away, the very first thing I thought of when you said that was I had a coach, uh, Denny Lanus. he coached, uh, I worked for him for a couple of years at Anderson university in Indiana and he's in the junior college hall of fame. But one of the things he would always say, or at least I remember him always saying was uh, uh, what you do is what you believe. Everything else is just talk. Uh, essentially in other words that, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk, you know, yeah. anyone can talk and coaches tend to talk a lot. Um, in fact, the other day I was interviewed on a podcast and they introduced me as a talker. A talker? He's a talker. Yeah, I'm a talker. Uh, but uh, I not I've heard that worse. before. But yeah, yeah, I talk for a living, which is bad because I'm not sure I have a lot to say sometimes or I talk real well. Um, but anyways, you know, lots of coaches, lots of leaders just go on and on and on and have a lot of things to say. But they really – almost their actions betray their words. They're, what they're doing isn't really what they're saying. And so, you know, there's the old cliche and I might butcher it, but uh, what you do says so much, I can't hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we talk a lot um, about a lot of different things, but people are going to see our actions and that's what they're going to believe more than what we say oftentimes. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing that stands out that, that uh, when you said that, that, that I thought of right away. Uh, what, you know, uh, what you do is what you believe. Everything else is just talk. Yeah. Action is loud. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Your podcast success is a choice. Go check it out. We're going to get another question here later on about success, but first why is being aware of our choices 
so critical and why is success a choice? Yeah, great question. First of all, we need to be very self-aware. That's an underrated quality. Most of us don't have self-awareness. We're not aware of what we're doing. We're not aware of um, uh, how we treat people. We're not aware of just the things around us. And I don't even mean like, you know, Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights when he's not, you know, when I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, he's really, I, I don't, when he's being interviewed, I, I, what do I do with my hands? Hands. I'm not talking about that awareness that you have hands and you don't know what to do with them, but just in general, the awareness of, all right, are you dominating a conversation? Are you boring somebody? How are you treating somebody? Are you picking up on somebody is not having a good day? Do you have empathy? All these kinds of things most of us struggle with to be self-aware of what's going on in the world around us. And maybe as a coach or a basketball person, I would say, keep your head on a swivel, like literally, like literally, but, but figuratively keep your head on a swivel about the things that are going on around you with people. Um, and so you have to be aware of everything and understand that your choices, we're going to make hundreds, thousands of choices daily. And most of them don't matter. Um, you know, you know, do I, do I walk, this fast or this slow? Do I turn here? Do I turn there? Do I, you know, how am I going to butter my bread, you know, in the morning for to or butter my toast, you know, choices like that, that don't really matter. But then all of these choices end up, you put them all together and they become habits. And so if we're making poor choices along the way, then we're going to eventually have poor habits. It might not catch up to us right away. That's one of the reasons that the book, um, I, man, it's escaping me right now, the, the author, but the admiral uh, talking about make your bed, uh, make your bed in the morning. Uh, a great book, but it's uh, a great concept. Of, McRaven, right? William McRaven. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Admiral McRaven. Thank you. Uh, you know, I mean, it seems so silly. Why do I need to make my bed? We're just going to, you know, sleep in it the next, you know, that night and nobody's coming into our house. Nobody's going to go into our master bedroom and see our bed. Who knows? Well, I know, I know, but it's just a way. It's just one little way that I can tell this day. I just owned you for that second. I won, I won this part of the day. And so doing these little habits, even if it seems inconsequential, actually you do enough of those little choices. You then have positive habits, which then, develops that daily discipline and the discipline is essentially just doing what you need to do when you need to do it as well as you can possibly do it and then do it that way all the time you know the daily disciplines of life and that's what you're shooting for and so uh, yeah we wanted to call our, the the name of our podcast success as a choice was really easy it was it was one of the easiest decisions i've ever made when i it was either the jamie beckler show and wasn't going to do that or success is a choice and I was like, nobody else has a success as a choice podcast. There's success magazine, but nobody has success as a choice. And I was like, great, this is awesome. This is what it's going to be because everything's about choices. Um, and so, you know, we talk about on the show, you know, we talk about different choices that people make, you know, uh, life's journey. And, and it's more than just sports. You know, I think one week we had a pastor. The next week we had a pussycat doll. Uh, you know, the next week we have a poker player, you know, so we, we, talk to various people because success leaves clues and we can learn if I'm a basketball coach, I can learn from someone in the entertainment business or someone that's been on shark tank or somebody that's produced a movie. You know, I can learn from those people. No doubt. Uh, you mentioned a few other things earlier when we talked about learning from other coaches, but 
you know, when it comes to cultivating leadership, what are some of the, the key characteristics that, you know, you find vital to cultivating authentic leadership? I think first we have to understand that or, or get a definition of leadership or at least an understanding of leadership. And I, I personally believe most people have the wrong idea of leadership. Our view of leadership is pretty much central essentially focused on, all right, we see somebody that's the president, we see the mayor, we see uh, the president of an institution, we see the CEO, we see the principal at school. Well, those are leaders and I'm not that, so I'm not a leader. I think we have to understand that we all can be a leader because leadership is really just influence. It's moving people forward. It's influencing people in the direction that we need to go to have a win-win solutions or, or to, to find positive outcomes. We can all do that. So let's take a sports example. Let's say you have three freshmen in the back of the bus, you know, after a game, before a game, it doesn't matter. Well, they're not the captain. They're not the starter. Let's say, you know, maybe they don't play much. They're not captains. So their natural thought process is we're not leaders. We're not the leaders on this team. And they might even go to, as far as say, we're not a leader either. Well, the problem is they're leading each other right now. Those three talking in the back of the bus or in the locker room are leading each other because they're influencing each other and influencing the way they think, influencing the way that they act. And so those three could go get in the weight room or they could do the right things or they could not talk bad about somebody behind their back. Um, you know, and that moves the team forward. Or they could also talk bad about people and they could have group think. You know, Tyler has one opinion. He shares it with the us, us other two people. And all of a sudden we have the same negative opinion that Tyler does. And then that rubs off on our behaviors, our actions. Maybe we don't like the coach. We think, you know, we're, we play the victim role. And those are kind of extremes. But, but by and large, we all have to understand that we can influence somebody. We all, yeah. all of us have a friend that's on our team or in our company, somebody that'll listen to us to a degree. We might not have a lot of them, but we all have at least one friend essentially. And so we can influence that person and that's where it starts. So when you're looking at cultivating leadership, it's not just about, well, I don't have this, this fancy business card or I don't have this title or I don't have this corner office with a nice window. It's not, that's not leadership. Leadership is taking people from where they are to where they need to go. And if you can do that with your wife, if you can do that with your son, if you can do that with the other person at your business, when you're sitting around, standing around the water cooler, talking about some Netflix show or talking about some sporting event, if you can just keep from talking bad about your boss, that's a positive step. Now let's move it forward to, hey, you know what, we, you know, this, this happened today or, well, the coffee ran out. You know what, that's fine because our secretary does a great job. She probably just forgot about it you know what, it's not a big deal that, that we didn't have coffee when we came in this morning. So you change your perspective to how can we be uh, uh, solution focused as opposed to problem fixated. Yeah. So I think there's uh, so much more skill to leadership and less of a role. And the role usually is the problem fixers and the leaders are the solution getters. I feel like there's, I <laughs> yeah, feel like good, there's a good- like there's a weird dynamic there. It's like with same thing. It's like you were kind of saying, you know, with the, you know, leadership isn't this boss or the the head person. Cause we've all asked a room of people who's had a bad boss. Everyone raises their hand. Right. And, and so we, we distinctly know that 
being a boss is not leadership from pretty much everyone's personal experiences, but we still attribute it falsely to people in roles all the time. Yeah. We look at it as just positional and positional John Maxwell, uh, written over a hundred leadership books. He taught, he, one of his books is about five levels of leadership and positional is the lowest form of leadership. You know, that, that's the, you know, that's, it's not a big deal. To so, it, what, so but it what, doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't yeah. really take you places. Yeah. And I know people, people will talk about absolutely Tyler, you know, and people will talk about what well, you, what well, you need. You can't have a whole bunch of chiefs running around. You got to have some Indians too, you know, to use a, an outdated expression, but you know what? You can have a lot of chiefs running around if those chiefs are in it for uh, the common good. Yeah. You know, and, and that's probably, I'm terrible with analogies, so I butcher analogies all the time. But you can have bosses. You can have, see, I mean, you could have, if I'm, if I'm the coach of a basketball team, most coaches out there, most CEOs, most managers, their goal is essentially to have a bunch of compliant followers to use that bad analogy before to have a whole bunch of good Indians, you know, people that just do what they're told to do because I am the chief I'm in charge. Do what you're supposed to come on, Tyler. Why can't you just do what I tell you to do? That's our goal. A lot of times as a manager or someone in a position of leadership, but a true leader, somebody who's, who's gone beyond just a positional leadership role, but a true leader wants to develop other leaders. They don't, they want it to be a multiplying effect because when, when you have more leaders, like good leaders, when you have true leaders, the more true leaders you have on your team, then that multiplies success. It eases up the burden that everybody has. It's not just on one person. Everybody's got each other's back and, and you're working together. Uh, I'll do this. Uh, I'll do this uh, experiment or this, this visual when I go work with sports teams, a lot of times where I'll essentially, uh, I'll have four, four athletes that are holding each other up. Uh, you know, they, they sit in chairs around the circle, then they lean back. Maybe some of your listeners have heard, seen this before, but they'll all lean back. So, so my shoulder blades would be in your lap, essentially. And they yep. all lean back. So they're all, leaning, they're all leaning in their buddies' laps, essentially, or on their legs. And then one by one, I'll, I'll slide the chairs out. So they're all still squatting. They're all still like they're sitting in a chair, but there's no chair there, but they're all supporting one another. And, and it's very similar to like the Redwoods. If anyone's been in California or, or seen the Redwoods in California, these Redwoods grow hundreds of feet tall, but their roots are very short. So, so essentially these, these big, huge, massive trees should all fall over. These big talented trees should fall over because they don't have deep roots, but the, what they have is wide roots. And so they, they, they're, they're narrow, but they go out hundreds of feet and they intertwine with all the other roots of the other trees. And together, this root system keeps these trees from falling over. So it's almost like one big, huge, massive tree. And if there's any like ecologists out there or tree lovers out there, I've probably butchered this a little bit, um, you know, but this is the simple form for, for us dumb jocks or coaches that, that aren't into the sciences, but they essentially hold each other up. And, and that's teamwork. And so you don't get that teamwork without having a whole bunch of leaders that recognize, hey, I can help do what you can't do. You can help do what I can't do. We're going to fill in each other's gaps as opposed to just, just do what you're supposed to do. Just be a compliant yeah. follower. No, let's all be trying to figure out how we can influence Jamie and influence Tyler and influence myself 
to do what's right and to lead this whole group forward, not just me forward, but this whole group forward, not just keep my tree, you know, this, I'm the redwood, not to keep my redwood from falling over, but to keep all this whole forest from falling over. No doubt. Aspen trees here in Colorado. Also, there you go. Aspens are the, uh, the redwoods intertwine. The aspens are the largest single living organism. So when you see five aspen trees, it's really only one. I did not know that. My my brain can only handle so much Bill Nye, the uh, science guy right? type stuff. No, I love the Redwood analogy though too. Um, you know, spending time as a coach, spending time consulting with athletic organizations. If you could wave a magic wand and change something about the student athlete experience, what would you want to wave that wand and change for student athletes? That is a great question. And my answer would be that all the coaches that are coaching them would be coachable. Mm. Expand. In a perfect world, in a perfect world, the coaches, the same coaches who are asking all their athletes to be coachable and getting mad when they're not coachable <laughs> would be coachable themselves. I see time and time again and they're well-meaning coaches and not all coaches yeah. are like this, certainly, but I see well-meaning coaches, coaches that are really nice, even uh, great coaches. In fact, successful coaches that aren't coachable. They don't grow. They don't develop. They don't improve because their way is right because it worked in 1990 or it worked 10 years ago or whatever. And I think of, you know, kind of this going back to bad analogies, but I think of, you know, if I walk out in the middle of a road you know, cars are supposed to stop. If a car hits me, pedestrians have the right of way. You know, I mean, when, even if it's not the crosswalk, even if you're jaywalking, essentially, pedestrians have the right of way. But you can also be dead right. So you can be right, but you can screw it up. So oh, yeah. yeah, pedestrians might have the right of way, but if you get hit by a car, you're dead right. And it doesn't matter if you were right or not. It doesn't matter who had the right of way, you're dead. Oftentimes, coaches were, were the smartest people in the room going back to the Ben Stein, you know, in the Ferris Bueller day off the, the, the teacher, he was the smartest person in the room. He's right. He has all this knowledge, but he's dead. Right. Because nobody's learning. Yeah. He's trying to teach, but nobody's learning. Nobody's being educated. And as coaches, if we don't have a relationship with people, if we don't learn, if we don't grow, if we don't develop ourselves and, and change with the times, or a, I, I should say adjust and adapt with the times, adapt with the teams. What you did last year with one team, you may not be able to do this year. And it doesn't have to be an, a 100% a, a overhaul as a coach. It doesn't have to be you change up everything, but you do have to be much more coachable and willing to adapt based on situations. And we do this in games all the time, but we sometimes don't do it with our culture and our, and our teams. Uh, the final thing I'll say about that, and, and going back to kind of the, the dead right analogy, is sometimes we're dead right, but sometimes we just have all this knowledge, but we're not very wise. And, and there's a saying that goes, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. You know, hey, tomatoes are a fruit. That's knowledge. That's intelligence. Yep. But wisdom is knowing you don't put it in a fruit salad. Exactly. You know, you don't have, you know, your blueberries, raspberries, and strawberries. And, oh, let's add these tomatoes because they're technically a fruit. You know, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing it doesn't go in a fruit salad. Coaches are too oftentimes knowledgeable, but not wise. And we don't adjust. We're not wise about adjusting and adapting to what's going on around us. Love it. 
uh, student athletes, kids that are striving to be better leaders on their team. Um, you talked about defining it earlier on. Um, what advice would you give to student athletes that are trying to become better leaders on their team and not be the three kids in the back? <laughs> yeah, the first thing this might sound harsh, but quit making excuses. Quit playing a victim role. Um, quit looking for excuses, uh, any sign of adversity or when something doesn't go wrong. You know what? It might not be your fault. Who cares? Suck it up, buttercup. And that sounds harsh, but get over it. Get over yourself. Get over the situation. Your coach might stink. So what? You know, this, there might be politics in play. You know, the kid playing ahead of you might be a board member's kid or, you know, their daddy went to school here or whatever. So what? You know, get over that. Find ways uh, to win. I, I watched this Navy SEALs documentary years ago, and constantly throughout, one of their mottos was find an excuse to win. Find an excuse to win or find a reason to win. Find a reason to win. All these obstacles, challenges are in your way. It doesn't matter. You have to find a way to win or you're going to die. Like, and, and I know it's not that big of a deal as, a, as an athlete, but do you want to be miserable or do you want to – find solutions. You know, do you want to be problem fixated, you know, and always fixated on the problems always, you know, be like Eeyore from, from Winnie the Pooh, you know, the sky is falling. <laughs> it's terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, the wind is blowing three miles an hour. You know, it's <laughs> terrible. My golf shot won't go where it needs to go. You know, stop complaining, find reasons to win, be solution focused, be focused on, all right, this just happened. This stinks. I got to move forward. You know, and I, I, hate to, I hate to use any kind of war analogies or anything like that because war is not like sports. But, I mean, if you're a Navy SEAL or if, if you're in a war or a battle and you, you know, you get your leg shot or, you know, you get shot or you get your leg blown off by a, um, a mine, you know, you don't just sit there and say, oh, this is terrible. I shouldn't have even been here in the first place. You know, why didn't I, why didn't I go into the Coast Guard or why didn't I do this? You don't sit there and start thinking about all the reasons you're in this predicament. No, you try to get out of that predicament. You try to bandage up your leg. You try to find a solution for it. And, and I know that's so extreme, Tyler. And I know that's not what you're looking for, but for an athlete, we get into those modes of, we look everywhere else except for what can we do to solve yeah. this? What can we do to do what I'm supposed to do? Too many times athletes will say, well, coach, coach gave me a raw deal or coach, coach isn't rewarding me for my hard work. I've come to, pra I come to practice early. Well, how, how often have you come to practice early? Well, for the last two weeks, I've been there early. Okay. The last two weeks, but for the last three years, your coach has seen you do this. Yep. You've got three years to overcome. Don't expect it to happen in, in two weeks. Or the other one that you get commonly is, well, I've, I've worked hard. I've done everything coaches said to do the last three weeks. Okay, but the guy playing ahead of you also did everything he was supposed to do in the last three weeks. So you didn't overtake him. So, so yes, that's great. You're doing what you're supposed to do and you need to keep doing that. But don't look for reasons and excuses why something didn't happen and, and don't complain about it. Just keep trudging forward. And if your coach is bad, you know what? You're going to have a bad boss one day. You can still overcome <laughs> something. I you know, it's, it's tough. And I get that a lot. I'll get direct messages or I'll get people that reply to some of my tweets sometimes, you know, of, well, that's not true. You know, when I was in ninth grade, 
uh, I had this, when I was in ninth grade, my coach was terrible. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry that you had a bad coach when you were in ninth grade 25 years ago, but that doesn't mean all coaches are bad. And it also doesn't mean that you didn't, that you reacted the right way. If you're like 99% of kids out there in ninth grade, your coach was bad and you use that as a crutch and you use that as an excuse. And, and parents do the same thing. Parents have to not use crutches and excuses with their kids. You know, things are going to be bad. Things aren't going to go our way, but we need to find the best uh, possible solution. How can we move forward? Yeah. The, uh, I've done everything they've asked of me. It's always like a, a weird badge of honor that gets presented because I'm like, well, whenever I had success, I've always had to do a lot more than what they've asked. <laughs> like, you know. Well, and at the very, and you're, you're absolutely right, Tyler. I mean, you have to do what you're supposed to do. And I know I talked about compliant followers earlier. Like, that's not the goal of a leader. But as an athlete, the very first thing you have to do is do what you're supposed to do. You know, you got to do what you're supposed to do. And then, you know what? You got to do that all the time. You know, it can't just be a sometimes thing and it can't just be, I did it for two weeks and coach didn't reward me. So I'm going to go back to, you know, being a slacker or go back to just coasting and going through the motions. Mediocrity never gets us toward any kind of uh, uh, goals that we want. You know, mediocrity doesn't move us forward. And so, yeah, doing what you're supposed to do is, is, is what you're supposed to do, but then do it that way all the time. And then, then I would add, the next thing, once you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're doing it all the time, then you need to translate into that. How can I get Tyler to do what he's supposed to do? Exactly. Wait a minute. Tyler's playing ahead of me. Yeah, exactly. We're in a team sport. We keep, you know, it's not uh, Tyler's score and Jamie's score. It's our score. And so, yeah, once I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, then I have to help Tyler do what he's supposed to do. Well, that might keep me from playing more. Yeah, but it's going to help your team win. Well, I don't, that how does that help me okay then you're not doing what you're supposed to do yeah and and that's a hard concept for parents it's a hard concept for kids i understand a 15 year old a 16 year old that's a that's a much deeper concept than they're used to yeah but if you truly want to be your best and truly want to be on a winning team a championship team and have a great culture that's how you're going to do it is is you're going to you know if you're the if you're the starting quarterback you're going to do everything you can to help that backup quarterback be ready to either beat you out in practice or to be ready if you get hurt. And if you're the backup, you're going to do everything you can to help that starter get prepared for that week's game. Yeah. It's like the old, old great story of, you know, Bill Walton's backup that never played in a college game pretty much. And then was NBA rookie of the year, I think. Yeah. Swin, Swin Nader. <laughs> Swin, yeah. Swin, Swin Nader. Nader. He, he, he led the NBA and the ABA in rebounding. He was drafted in the first round and he never started in college. He was a backup. Yeah. Love it. So talked about the podcast earlier. Success is a choice. One of our favorite questions we love to end with here is, we know it's a choice, but how else do you define success? (laughs) Uh, I like, uh, I like the definition essential. Well, John Wooden at UCLA has the best definition. And I kind of, I kind of simple, I, I, I take it and, and shorten it down even more. It's just essentially you achieving your potential. Uh, are you doing, are you doing what you're capable of doing? And we sometimes compare, you know, well, I'm not as good as Tyler in this area or I, Tyler's better than me. And, and Teddy Roosevelt, the great rough rider president used to say that comparison is the thief of all joy. 
when we start comparing ourselves to others, that's when we're going to struggle. And we do that a lot on social media. You know, I compare myself to your highlight film on social media. Uh, I compare my daily life to your highlight film. Uh, But success is, is achieving your potential is doing what you're capable of doing. And I would go one step further, Tyler, significance, success is achieving your potential and doing what you're capable of doing. Significance is helping others to achieve their potential and helping others to do what they're capable of doing.